Let's pray. Our God and our Father, we give you thanks that for those of us who follow Jesus, we can rejoice in those words. Lord, that even through the deepest and darkest valleys and the toughest times in our lives, as we face the fiercest temptations, you are with us. And Lord, we achieve nothing ourselves, but only through Christ in us, by your Holy Spirit. So Lord, help us now as we turn to your word to think about this together. Lord, would you have your way with us and speak to us according to your will, in Jesus' name, amen. I wonder if you've ever had the experience, I think we probably all have, where your first impression of somebody has been completely wrong. Someone who maybe gives a great first impression, somebody who you think will be really likable and who you'll get on with, and then something happens and they show their true colors. Maybe a famous person who you look up to, but when you meet them in person, they don't quite live up to what you thought. They say never meet your heroes, don't they? Because they'll only be sure to disappoint you. When I was a teenager, I was part of a musical organization. It helped young people in their musical education. It held fundraisers to buy instruments for kids who couldn't afford it and to buy music and to put on concerts and that sort of thing. And the man who headed that up was a bit of a hero in my eyes. In fact, he was probably a bit of a hero in all of our eyes. He really seemed to care for the children. He was passionate about their education, that they would have the same opportunities as other kids would have, always fundraising and always campaigning for them. He was a bit of a hero until we found out that he was embezzling. He was taking some of the money for himself. He was tempted. He was handling the money. It was there in front of him. And he took it. Now, it turned out okay for that organization in the end because he was found out and he was prosecuted and he paid back all the money that he had stolen. But my first impression of this guy was absolutely shattered. I wonder what your impression of a Christian is or maybe what your impression of a Christian was before you became one. Do you think of a Christian as somebody who is good, who doesn't do some of the things that other people in the world do? who maybe doesn't struggle with some of the things that you do. Or maybe you're not a Christian here this morning, but one of the things holding you back is the impression that there are certain things that Christians just don't do. And if you became one, you just wouldn't be able to live up to it. You think, I, I could never be like that. And part of that problem is that sometimes Christians like to give that impression, to let on that they are good and that they don't struggle with sin. But the good news for us this morning, and I do think it is good news, is that the Bible completely shatters those impressions. Yes, it is absolutely true that Christians are called to live holy lives. We're called to, to follow Jesus, to obey him. But the truth behind all the impressions that are put out there of Christians being good living or, or whatever way you want to put it, the truth is that living for God is a struggle and we all face a battle with temptation. If you don't believe me, well, let me show you. The Apostle Paul wrote the words we read from Romans chapter seven and chapter eight this morning. He was one of the most influential people in the church in the time after Jesus lived on earth. 
once he was converted to be a Christian, he gave his whole life to serving Jesus. He was a missionary, a church planter, a leader, a pastor, wrote a large portion of what we call the New Testament. He was prepared to go to prison, to be beaten, even to die for Jesus. As far as his CV goes as a Christian, we'd probably say it was pretty good. And yet Paul is very open with us. He struggled with temptation. We read in Romans 7, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. What a wretched man I am. That is the conclusion that he comes to. If you're a Christian here today, I'm sure you can identify with this. We know what to do. We know what not to do to obey Christ. And yet so often we find that we end up doing the things that we know we shouldn't and not doing the things that we should. And when we think about it, we realize how wretched we are as Christians. It's just a common human reality. Even for those who aren't Christians, we, we know this. There are things we know that are good, things we know that aren't good for us. And so often we end up doing the things that aren't good for us. But the harsh reality is that the blame lies at our own door. Last week we thought about just how we, how we feel all the time. And, and of course we can know the Son's grace in that. And that is amazing. But the failure part, that's on us. Notice Paul doesn't blame anybody else. What a wretched man I am, he says. He doesn't say, oh, well, I, I was tempted or, or somebody led me down that road or I had a bad day that day, I was tired. No, he puts the blame at his own door. Elsewhere in the Bible, we read this in James chapter one. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. The problem is us, and it's our own sinful desires. It's not God putting us to the test or tempting us. It's not the devil, although he plays a role in tempting us. It's not our circumstances. It's not that we had a hard day. It's not that we didn't really sleep. It's not that somebody else antagonized us. Ultimately, the reason why we sin Whilst all those things may be factors, but the reason why we sin is our own desire. We respond angrily because we don't like criticism or we don't like being wrong. We exaggerate or even lie about ourselves because we want other people to think well of us. We sulk because we think we're entitled and have been wronged. We find refuge in pornography or excessive drink or in overindulgence of something because we have desires and we think we deserve instant gratification. We know what it is to follow Christ, but in ourselves we find that lingering old sinful self, those old desires that we hoped would go away when we became Christians. And we find that what the Bible calls the flesh or, or the sinful nature, it wants things that are not in obedience to Christ. And they tempt us. And that old part of us, that sinful nature, it wants them. Of course it does. It wouldn't be temptation if we didn't actually want the thing. Part of us wants them even though we know we shouldn't. And so we find this struggle between the old part of us that lingers and the Holy Spirit alive in us. 
This is the reality of life. It's the reality of the Christian life. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, hear me out, because I don't want to give you the wrong impression. You can have a life of great joy with Jesus. You can. You can know the joy of him forgiving your sins. You can know his grace in your life. He loves to forgive, and he wants you to come to him. And following him is not something that's out there, that's beyond you. If you think that if you became a Christian, you'd be expected to be perfect, that just isn't true. If you think you'd struggle with it, you're right, and that's okay. Becoming a Christian means turning away from wherever you're going, receiving forgiveness from Jesus and following him, living his way. But living his way ain't easy. There will always be temptation. And if you are a Christian today, you will know the reality of that temptation. Maybe you hide it. Maybe you pretend to be perfect in front of other people. That's foolish. But underneath you will still know the reality of it. It's a struggle. Maybe you even think of yourself as a bit of a failure as a Christian because you do struggle. But if that's you this morning, I really want to encourage you because we see in God's word that this struggle is part and parcel of the Christian life. Paul knew it and experienced it, and James did too. But not only that, I also want to encourage you this morning because we know that in the fight, God is on our side. And in every temptation, we can enjoy the Spirit's life. In every temptation, we can enjoy the Spirit's life. Now, I realize that might sound all wrong. It might even sound a bit perverse to say that in the moment of temptation, that moment when you feel at your worst and you maybe feel furthest away from God, you might think of that as a moment that we enjoy the Spirit least as our sinful desires flare up inside us. How can we enjoy God in a moment like that? when sin is in front of us and our own sinful desires are being enticed and we're being led in that direction? Well, I suppose to answer that question, um, it depends on what you think of the Holy Spirit. For some Christians, they think that the way the Holy Spirit works is always dramatic, maybe very emotional, intensely emotional experience, something really powerful. It's nearly as if they expect an experience of heaven in the here and now. And sometimes the work of the Spirit is a, a powerful experience. Sometimes we are reduced to, to tears as, as God speaks to us in some way. But it's usually not the case. But then sadly for some other Christians, because they don't like the look of all that sort of powerful and emotional stuff, that they think it's, it's a bit manipulative maybe from some churches. So, so they take the supernatural out of their faith altogether. And they forget about the Holy Spirit. They don't expect anything of him. He's, they they kind of know he's there. They'll say that, that the Spirit lives in them, but, but they don't expect him to do anything. Their faith becomes simply a, about a set of beliefs. And it isn't something that is lived or experienced. But neither of those approaches are how the Bible describes the work of the Holy Spirit. He certainly can work through powerful emotional experiences, but doesn't always do so. But he does live in us, the same spirit, the breath of God who was present as God created the universe, who drove the sea apart so that Moses and the Israelites could walk through on dry land, who brought life to dry bones in front of Ezekiel's eyes. That same God, the Holy Spirit, lives in us. 
We read that in Romans 8, that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. And the Bible tells us that when we become followers of Jesus, the same spirit enters into us and makes our cold, dead hearts alive. And in that moment when we come to faith, we enjoy the Spirit's life. As we continue in our faith, as we serve him day by day, it mightn't be extreme, but we enjoy the Spirit's life. As we willingly serve God, we enjoy the Spirit's life. As we love our brothers and sisters in Christ, we enjoy the Spirit's life. It is him who drives us to do that. As we come to hate sin and as we desire in our own hearts to do better, to obey Jesus, we are enjoying the Spirit's life. There's probably no tingle down the spine, no warm glow in your heart. But these are all things that if we were left to ourselves, we wouldn't do them. They wouldn't be true. But because the Spirit lives in us, they happen. In these things, you enjoy the Spirit's life. And when it comes to temptation, it is the Spirit who lives in us and changes things. Now, we find ourselves in a situation where, yes, we have our old sinful desires. But now we also have the Spirit living in us, pulling us in a different direction. Here's how Paul puts it to the Galatians, and this kind of encapsulates it all. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. We are being pulled in two directions. When we're tempted to sin, the spirit reigns us back in. And when we're tempted to do good, sometimes our old sinful nature reigns us back into. That is the struggle. It's not quite the, the angel and the devil on the shoulders, but it's something like that. Both exist together, the old sinful nature and the Holy Spirit. But I want to encourage you this morning for two reasons. The first reason is that the struggle itself is actually evidence that the Spirit is working in you. Because if the Spirit was not working in you, if the Spirit was not alive in you, then you wouldn't fight the temptation at all. You just sin. You wouldn't care about it. But the fact that you do care about it, the fact that you want to do better, the fact maybe even that you feel a bit guilty that you don't do better, all of that is evidence of a fight. And that proves that the Spirit is at work in you. Even if you fail often, that is still the case. You know, I, I know a lot of Christians um, who, who come to me and, and they talk to me about their sin. And when they do that, they're in a really bad way. I don't know how many conversations I've had with Christians in ministry with people who are really, really beating themselves up. They're ashamed. They get really down about it. They wonder if they're even saved sometimes because they think, how can I sin this much? I think some of these people think that when they became a Christian, someone flicked a switch up in heaven, so they went from not going to heaven to going to heaven. But that's all the change that happened, and on earth, nothing changed because they still struggled with the same sins. But nothing could be further from the truth. And if that's you this morning, let me encourage you. The fact that you even feel that way is evidence that the Spirit is working in you. Because if He wasn't working in you, you wouldn't be feeling like that at all. You wouldn't care about your sin. And that's why I said that in every temptation, you can know the joy of the Spirit's life. 
Because as you fight, you are having communion with him as he helps you defend off temptation. Now, for that to be true, you do actually have to fight. I have to say that. Um, you do have to want to not sin yourself. You do have to desire to obey Jesus rather than your old sinful ways. But as you do fight, you know the Spirit's help, and in that you find joy. It's a bit like riding on a, on a tandem bicycle, I suppose. If one person doesn't pull their weight, you're not going to go very well. If the person at the front doesn't steer the right way, you're going to end up in the wrong place. And for some reason, God chooses to do it this way. He doesn't just flick a switch and, and beam us up into heaven. He chooses to work with us. And so we trust that as we fight, as we struggle, then the Spirit works in us and makes us more like Jesus. The second encouragement I want to give um, this morning on the back of that is, is that you can change. Change is possible. You don't have to sin. Nothing is inevitable about the fact that you will sin. As the Spirit works in you, you can change. And I know sometimes that seems very, very far away, but it is true. I wonder if there's something in your life that you just feel absolutely powerless to change. The temptation is just so strong and so persistent that you feel you can't resist it. Or you feel like you've given into it so many times that you might as well give in again. You've lost your, your will, you've lost your energy to fight. Or maybe it's something that kind of creeps up on you and takes you by surprise and you don't realize what you've done until it's too late. You've tried to change many times, but you just feel stuck. Well, I want to encourage you this morning that in that battle between the spirit and your old sinful self, the spirit wins. Here's Romans 8 again. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit, if the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. Do you see that? You are not controlled by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. Even though your body is dead because of your sin, your, your body is going to die because of your sin. Even so, your spirit is alive because of righteousness, and nothing can change that. As the Spirit lives in you, he, he cultivates this new life with new desires and new power that comes from him. And it really is possible you can change. Yet not I, but through Christ in me, but even so, yes, it still happens. You can change. So don't give up the fight. The sin that so often defeats you need not always defeat you, and one day it will not be able to touch you at all. God does not expect anything impossible from any of us. That's a promise from his word in, in 1 Corinthians 10. Paul writes here, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Do you see that? You're not going to be tempted in a way that others haven't been tempted before. And you won't be tempted more than you can bear. I know sometimes it doesn't feel like that. Sometimes it feels like you've been tempted and tested to the limit and, and, and there is a sort of inevitability about that. 
But the promise of God's word is that you won't be tempted beyond what you can bear and that there will always be a way out. Sometimes the thing that Christians need to to overcome a sin is simply to learn to look for that way out in the moment of temptation. Because not only does the Spirit work in you, He works in the circumstances around you so that there is always a way out. So don't give up. You can change. Don't give up when you're tempted. Don't give up on the battle with sin. If you have given up, get up and start again. Paul says, therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. We're not obliged to live the old way anymore. That's why I say there's nothing inevitable about it because we're not obliged to do that anymore. But we are obliged to fight. And as we do that, we know the power of the Spirit working in us so that in every temptation, we can enjoy the life of the Spirit. Sometimes it's hard work. The language Paul uses is to put to death the misdeeds of the body. That's not easy because our body wants to do those things. The old sinful nature wants us to do those things. And so we might find that progress is painfully slow. I think it's a little bit like me watching my children grow. Not that that's painful at all, but but day to day, I see no difference in them. No difference at all. But when I look back at pictures of them six months ago or a year ago or two years ago, I can't believe how much they've changed. I watch videos of of Anna and Sarah all the time from a couple of years ago, and and I can't believe what their voices sounded like, how they used to speak because I don't see the change day to day. You mightn't see much day to day, but as the Spirit works in you, you will change. The gossip that you'd have been in the middle of before, it still tempts you. You still want to hear it. But you're conscious of it now in a way that you weren't before, and you're wary of getting into those types of conversations. It might still happen, but you're making progress. That person who really winds you up and makes you angry, well, he still winds you up. And you still feel that anger rising up within you. But now you're more likely to count to 10 because you know that if you burst out, what you said wouldn't glorify God. The pornography that you used to watch so frequently, it still tempts you. But now you know that it isn't obedient to Jesus' teaching on lust and you realize how hurtful it might be to people who are close to you if they knew you were watching it. And you think about how that industry exploits men and women who were made in God's image. So you make the call. You look for a way out. You you pray. You put the phone away. You put it in a different room if you have to. None of this happens overnight. And the internal struggle between the flesh and the sinful nature and the Holy Spirit is one that rages on for all the time that we have to live on this old earth. If that has burst your bubble, if, if that shatters your impression of the Christian life, which in your mind was just perfection without sin, well then I've done my job this morning because the Bible teaches that it's a struggle. It's certainly a struggle for me, wretched man that I am. But in the midst of the struggle, know this. As you fight, as you choose Jesus over the sins that tempt you, you can know the joy of the Spirit's life. Let's pray together.
Our Father, we give you thanks that when Jesus died in our place, he didn't just take the sin away from our lives, but he also broke the power of sin over our lives. And so we no longer have an obligation to do that. We are no longer slaves to sin, but we are children of God and we are free to obey you and equipped to obey you and empowered to obey you by the Holy Spirit. So Lord, we pray that you would bring each one of us to Jesus today and that as we look to him and as we look to ourselves and to our failures, that we would know the assurance of sins forgiven by his work on the cross, but also that we would know the work of the Spirit in our lives as we try to follow him. Lord, help each of us to see the things in our lives that you would want us to change. Lord, show us what we need to cast off, what we need to put to death. Show us the things that you would have us do. And then, Lord, we pray that this promise of your word would be true, that in those moments where we're tempted not to do the things we should and tempted to do the things that we shouldn't, that we would know the power of your spirit, that we would know a way out when it is needed. And we would see in ourselves becoming more like Jesus, just as is your will for each of us. And we pray in his name. Amen.